This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to 1067 The Fan. I'm watching uh, Brick Giroli uh, bebop her head over there a little bit. You, you've got some good hair for some, like, uh, we need some, like, Motley Crue or something to, like, for you to really do some headbanging uh I've, I've always been jealous. I don't have that hair option. So I just, I've tried. It just doesn't. I can't grow it long. So uh, I appreciate the fact that those who do, and you should take advantage of it. You know you? what? You know, being female, it's it's socially acceptable for me to have my hair this long. You know, it ebbs yeah. and flows for guys. Well, sometimes well, it's in, sometimes it's not. Look, sometimes I, it's man bun, sometimes it's not. No, no, that's a whole. No, no. When there's no man bun, uh, but like well, the 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 only one good thing about the pandemic was. The opportunity, you know, kind of had to let your hair grow a little bit, and I was like, "All right, I, I, I have, I have a real good excuse. We're going to see what happens." But I just get the, you know, I get the Jufro kind of thing. I don't get the, the I can't, it can't grow down. All right. Well, I had to saying that's a problem. So I'm jealous of, I'm jealous of the longer hair. You get to do things with that. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk NBA playoffs with Fred Katz coming up in the next segment, but we can, we can sort of reset here a little bit what we've been talking about. Nats close out their series today against the Giants. Uh, what's the pitching matchup today? What, what do you what 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 do you find interesting uh, with that? Uh, I think it's a Dolan that's pitching, right? Because Davey wanted to give Josiah Gray a few days off. So, do anything anything of note from that front? Anything we should be uh, keeping an eye on? Uh, something like is there is there like a marker here? Got to go six innings. Is it get the the you know, get the fastball in the zone. Like anything in particular here, you're looking for? I think it'd be nice if they just won. Um, well, that's always a good they're thing. They're trying to, <laughs> they're trying to uh, avoid um, another loss to the Giants. Patrick Corbin, as we talked about with Mark Zuckerman last hour, uh, booed off the mound in Friday's start. Um, yesterday, Aaron Sanchez pitched first time on the big league mound in I think four years. Uh, he shouldered that loss. So really, they're just trying to win. Um, I mentioned on Thursday, I thought it was a good um, kind of earmark for them because they had played some poor teams and yeah, they played Arizona and, and really looked good for parts of these games. And the Giants are obviously a good team. I thought this was going to be a tough test and it has been. Uh, hopefully, 
We'll get a little bit of an update. I haven't seen on Twitter yet. I don't think Davey Martinez has talked to the media what's going on with Josh Bell. As Mark said, it seems pretty unlikely he's going to play today, dealing with some right hamstring issues after dealing with some knee pain. Um, I agree with Mark. I think you sit him today because you have the benefit of tomorrow off uh, before their series starts against Miami. I believe the rest of their homestand Miami, and then they go out to San Francisco uh, and play the Giants next weekend. So um, a big game for the Nats. I think you just want to avoid getting swept. You, you just, you know, you, you never like being swept. You want to really avoid that and you want to hang with the Giants. There was some, I don't want to say controversy, but I know that the Nats weren't happy. The Giants were running up the score the other night. Were you paying attention to that at all, Ben? Um, you know, it's a, it's another case of like baseball's unwritten rules, right? Like you can try to win, but you can't try to win too hard. Here's what's insane about this to me in any sport. It, it like it, it is literally makes be beyond no sense when the idea of running up the score. Let me let me explain. Does the other team stop trying to score? Have we not seen comebacks? We just discussed the other day. Yeah. It, what you know the the Timberwolves blew a humongous lead because the the, the Grizzlies scored uh, at least a twenty one to zero run. That wasn't the end of the game. But like if unless the other team is laying down, why am I not still, still trying to score? It doesn't make any sense. I, I agree with you. And listen, the Cubs won 21 to nothing yesterday. And I didn't hear anybody saying anything about that. Yeah. Also, just stop them. Like, I mean, just if, if, if you know, here's one way so they can't run up the score. Don't let them score. Yeah. Baseball has got a bunch of weird unwritten rules. But again, yeah, seven, to me, I think it was like seven runs that they took issue with. And to me, like, teams can do that. Teams have come back from that. I've seen the Nationals come back from that. I, I think in 19, they had some crazy... Um, I don't know if it was seven runs, but they came back against the Mets and it was one of those games that you were like in 19, you were like, man, this team, this team's got something. Um, it was a pretty big deficit in the ninth inning. So those things do happen. I agree with you. Um, so there's been, it hasn't been a great series for the nationals by any means. So I think you're just hoping to have some kind of feel good win today. Absolutely. Um, we can also get back a little bit into the NFL draft, obviously, that kicks off on Thursday. I just during the break, I was sitting here and as I I want to do, I'm tinkering with my NFL mock draft, the first round because you make one difference in a pick and it can change everything. I think the pick we, we we've talked about this before, but the pick that really is sort of the defining pick before Washington at eleven is the Carolina Panthers at number six. Everybody, or I shouldn't say everybody, a lot of people are targeting them to take the first quarterback off the board, whether that's Pittsburgh's Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis from Liberty. And if they do that, that's great for Washington because it just pushes back up another player that they would be more likely to take, I would I would imagine. You know, you never know what happens. It could be a team wants to trade up, depending who's there. They could maybe want to trade up for a quarterback too, but it, I actually think that would even help there further because if one quarterback's off the board, the second one, better chance the second one goes sooner versus than if they all start to to slide. Uh, I, I'm of the impression, if I'm the Panthers, I'm not taking a quarterback at six. It doesn't make any real logical sense. Their, their coach is on the, the proverbial hot seat, and none of these quarterbacks are being viewed as you know very certain things. Even if you want to say Malik Willis has a great upside, almost everybody universally thinks he needs to sit a year, thus a marriage with a coach who maybe fighting for his job doesn't make sense. I think they're better off going for a Baker Mayfield if they want to go that route. And just worst case, they bottom out and play for the quarterback next year. So to me, I wouldn't take a quarterback before Washington's picking at 10 or at 11, but that that's going to be one of the huge variables in this draft. 
Yeah, well, you basically threw the kibosh on Kenny Pickett. You don't think that's happening at all. Uh, earlier in the show, we talked about wide receivers, if Drake London is available, uh, but you are leaning more towards the less flashy picks at this point in time, right? Well, I mean, I think if Kyle Hamilton is there, I think the, the safety from Notre Dame just fits a lot of variables for, for what Ron Rivera likes, the position flexibility. They have this Buffalo nickel position that was a huge deal for them last year. Um with Landon Collins, uh, who was released, and they don't have an obvious replacement for that spot. So Kyle Hamilton would do that. I think the question is, for me, is Jack Del Rio the guy who is making he's the he's in charge of the game plan, the defensive coordinator. What everybody seems to tell me about Kyle Hamilton is you need to commit to having a weekly plan for this guy. He isn't just a plug and play, put him at free safety and we kind of move on. You have to figure out how to maximize his talent. And for a defense last year that had a lot of miscommunication issues, that was very underwhelming, you, you, you know, maybe that's an, an extra step that you don't need. You just need to get everybody back on the same page, find a more conventional fit for that spot, maybe in the second round um, where they have the 47th pick and go and go in a different way. Whereas a receiver, it's a much more simpler fit, you know, w whether it's Drake London or Garrett Wilson. So that would be my question there. But I think we should consider the other options. Offensive tackle, even if that means moving Sam Cosby to guard, a defensive lineman, even if that means you're preparing for a world where Duran Payne is gone somehow. Uh, I, I think these are things that need to be considered, even if they're not number one or two or three on Washington's uh, plan uh, this uh, going into this draft. Yeah. So what you're saying, I guess you, you mentioned this earlier, Ben, but like there's not to you one right answer. There's more like two or three that are shades of you're okay with Washington doing this. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, obviously, there's like the difference between the player and the uh, and the position, and I don't think from a position standpoint, any of that to me would sound like the wrong call. Then the question will be, you know, which player is the best value? I didn't mention cornerback. I think that's potential there as well. It does feel like the momentum is the top two corners in this class, Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley Jr might be gone both will probably be gone there still would be another guy in trent mcduffie uh, from washington but yeah the the receiver safety i don't think anybody's going to say wow that's a terrible choice i think if you took chris olave over garrett wilson or drake london to me that would be questionable but beyond that i i don't think anybody would would would, would knock it i personally think the best move ideally trade down get more picks they don't have a third they don't have a fifth they also don't have uh, likely a second rounder next year as part of the Carson Wentz trade. So even if you make a deal to move down and get something for next year, that's not a bad way to go either. But as we discussed before, that's will they think in those regards, are they going to be a little more traditional conservative? Now we'll stay at 11, take what we think is one of the best 11 players in this draft versus trading back with more uncertainty of what you get today and not worry about tomorrow's picks tomorrow. That's interesting. I don't think you've, you've mentioned that before. Just kind of, punting and trading down and saying, you know, we're going to, we're going to go towards the future. Um, have you, are you ready for this draft to be over? Because then we can stop talking about college kids and start talking about actual free agency and moves that uh, other moves that Washington needs to make because they haven't really done anything. Yeah, for sure. We could talk about this more uh, after we talk with our, our Fred, uh, Fred Katz, but Ron Rivera is going to talk on Monday uh, along with GM Martin Mayhew. And honestly, it's interesting because, 
so much of this feels so small when we talk about the Washington commanders and everything that's going on with the organization. I don't know how much we'll ask Ron Rivera about what's going on with Congress because he's not going to be in position to say too much. But to your point, I will be over with this because, one, it's been the same conversation for a month. And two, like I said, it just unfortunately, this is the problem with this organization. These things I would normally be excited about just like, I mean, there's too many other variables happening with this organization that kind of makes it a little bit of a bummer uh, to even talk about basic stuff like what what they should do in the draft, which is way more fun. But I don't know. At least I'm struggling to get up in my usual enthusiasm, even if I'm on mock draft, you know, 36 at this point. Um, All right. When we come back, our friend and colleague from the athletic Fred Castle join us. We'll talk NBA playoffs here on 106.7 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, welcome back to 106.7 The Fan. Ben Standing here along with Bridge Giroli. We've been talking a bunch about the NBA playoffs. Now we're going to talk to somebody who's been actually covering the NBA playoffs. He's been all over the Grizzlies Timberwolves series for the athletic, but of course he is a well-rounded NBA thinker. He is Fred Katz and uh, Fred. Uh, w- here's the real question now, before we start, before we start talking NBA, actually, I'm going to pivot to Brit because this is all about Brit. This is a very important topic that because you used to live over here by these studios near Nats park, you may have some insight into this question. Brit, go ahead. Yeah. So here's what I'm thinking, Fred growing up, we used to every Sunday morning have donuts. And I said to Ben, we're going to be here a bunch of Sundays. Let's just do a district donut tour let's let's see what's in this area let's get donuts and bring them in and get all sugared up for these shows so where should we go oh for donuts like in like navy yard area yeah i mean we drive in so a navy yard would be preferred but somewhere in the in the general right, i'm not expecting fred to know about donuts in bethesda you know, but donuts in navy I'm yard not, i'm not a huge donut person but i will say i would venture a little north of the navy yard if you got the car and and i I'm going to a baked joint if I want any kind of pastry in D.C. That place is ridiculous. It's so good. They also have the best sandwiches, best pastries. It is amazing. What's it called? A baked joint. A Same base. owner as baked, 
uh, same owners baked and wired. It's absolutely fantastic. A base joint. Okay. Base, All right. Base joint. Base joint. I, I'm like I'm, a bakery. Oh, bay. Oh, bake joint. Gotcha. Okay. God, All right, that, I got it. That, that sounds like very a very different product. I found okay. it. Um, we'll, we'll 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 look into that, Fred. Let's let's talk about these NBA playoffs. I'm going to sort of I guess steal a topic that Britt and I were discussing earlier. You've been obviously covering this one series, but watching all the games. What's something you've learned? Do you think at this point, um, halfway through first the first round? Well, I I guess I would have to take myself back to the last time that I was on your guys' show a week ago when you asked me if I thought there was going to be which team, lower seed, was more likely to pull off a first-round upset. And my answer was Toronto. And uh, what I've learned is I was not correct. They were not the most likely <laughs> team uh, to pull off an upset. Uh, you know, I, I think sometimes what all of us fall a little victim to uh, in playoff series is we look at teams that are good schematic fits, uh, good schematic matchups against higher seeds and think, okay, that's the one. And sometimes we forget, hey, if you've got the guys who are going to be the two best players in a series and you've got the, one of those guys is going to be top three for MVP, then there's a pretty good chance you're going to be okay in that first-round series. And that's exactly what we've seen from, uh, you know, Philadelphia. I expected Toronto would win game four when Philly was up 3-0. That series just reeks of, of a gentleman's sweep where, you know, Philly wins the first three, Toronto wins game four, and Toronto, they go back to Philly and Philly closes them out at home. And, and that's kind of what I expect to happen there. And, uh, you know, I think second round series between Philly and Miami, if that's what we end up getting, I think that could be unbelievably, that could be a really fun and exciting series. Fred, so we were talking about this earlier, but you were at the game that produced some excellent quotes. Um, obviously um, with the uh, Grizzlies Wolves game four, uh, one of the most poorly officiated games I've ever seen said Taylor Jenkins. And then of course I've never seen a more inconsistent, arrogant officiated game. Uh, do you, do you agree with some of the criticism that's being lobbed at the officials following uh, that game four in Minnesota? Well, I'll tell you what, obviously something was said. Like, this was more than just blown calls because Terry Jenkins called them arrogant twice. He said arrogant twice. He called it an arrogant officiated game, and then he just referred to the referee's arrogance. I, I have not heard. I don't recall that word being used by a head coach to describe referees in any game that I have ever covered. I just, it, it doesn't even come close to ringing a bell. It's one thing for somebody to accuse referees of blowing calls or calling it one way more than the other way or whatever. That's obviously rare because Taylor Jenkins is clearly going to get fined for this. And that's what happens when you make these comments, but it's, it's not, it's not particularly common because guys want to steer away from the fine and, you know, they take their hits when, when they deem necessary. And my goodness, did Taylor Jenkins deem it necessary? Uh, I, I agree that it was a poorly officiated game. There were, a lot of plays that were very touchy, just kind of ticky-tack fouls uh, that I didn't think needed to happen. In particular, there was a sequence where they, they legitimately got three consecutive offensive, three straight possessions that were offensive foul calls. And all three upon replay were very blatantly incorrect calls. Uh, 
one of them was challenged and overturned, and two of them were on Desmond Bain, who had 34 points and was the Grizzlies' leading scorer, and I'm sure that was a source of frustration because Bain ended up getting up to, to five fouls because of that. Uh, I, I don't, however, like it when players and coaches use free throw discrepancy as an example or as evidence of a game being for the poorly officiated because it's just, it could just as easily be used as evidence devoid of context uh, as examples of poor defense or good offense. Not, this game was not created for everybody to get fouled the exact same amount. If Shaq is being guarded by uh, Ben, then Shaq is, Ben is going to foul Shaq every time. It's not because the refs have something against Ben. It's because Shaq is much bigger than Ben. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the way this game works. So I, I don't like using foul or free throw discrepancy or foul discrepancy as a way to explain it. But I do think on the whole, that game was a poorly officiated one and was, was very ticky-tack, especially when you put it in the context of it being a, a playoff game. Uh, you have not seen my post uh, defense, Fred. I mean, I you know, I got, I got, I got some moves. Um, the 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 Celtics. I mean, it's one thing to have said the Celtics would beat the Nets coming out of the first round. Uh, some uh, models had the Celtics winning the NBA title. So even with Durant and Kyrie, that's not surprising if they were to win. Up three zero though, I don't think anybody was seeing this. Does that say more to you about how what the Celtics are doing or what the Nets are not doing? Honestly, I'm not. I'm not shocked the Celtics are up three zero at all. Uh, I, I remember last week when you guys asked me about who the most likely seven to win was, and I think everybody, most people, the most common answer to that would have been would have been uh, Brooklyn. And I just, I have not had faith in Brooklyn since the James Harden blow up. Uh, they they run an offense that is pretty rudimentary, just kind of my turn your turn stuff, and we see that with teams that have two stars who play on the perimeter. But the difference is there isn't just one. It's not so binary. It's not even we run my turn, your turn with KD and Kyrie, or we don't, and we have some sort of expansive motion offense. There are gray areas in here. You can, you can do a my turn, your turn type of thing with KD and Kyrie. You can have more movement on the weak side. You can have guys setting picks, running off screens, cutting more. It doesn't have to look like the, you know, the 2014 champion San Antonio Spurs who played, you know, the beautiful game. It just, it, it can look different than it does now. And, uh, you know, defensively, they have been really, really, really struggling all season. Uh, I just, I, I didn't think Brooklyn was particularly scary. And Boston, meanwhile, since January 7th, was just so by far the best defense in the league. Uh, you know, like five points per 100 possessions better than anybody else. And the difference between them and second best in the league in defense was like the difference between number two and number 20 or something like that. That's how big their lead was defensively over the last three months of the year over the rest of the league. So I just, I think we're seeing that in this series. They're extremely well coached. Marcus Smart just won Defensive Player of the Year, but there's an argument Marcus Smart is not even their most important defender, and that they won those first two games of the series without their most important defender because Robert Williams III has been just tremendous for them as a rim protector, as a big who can get out to the perimeter, as basically an anchor of their defense. Uh, They are a shining example of 
when a defense does not have an exploitable link. It's so much more important in the playoffs to have five guys who are above average on defense than you just have four who are excellent, but one who is bad because there's no one for the Nets to pick on in that Celtics defense. And that Nets offense is predicated on let's get a mismatch and KD or Tyree is going to pick on them and they can't do it. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it does not look good for them. I think it's both, honestly. I think it, it's, it's showing how weak the Nets are comparatively to where we thought they were. And I, I think the Celtics are title contenders. Fred, talking to Fred Katz of The Athletic, Fred used to cover the Wizards. Now you're in New York uh, covering the Knicks. People who don't know Fred should know that he's also a Yankees fan. And I'm curious, Fred, if you have anything to say for your fan base after throwing trash at the Cleveland Guardians yesterday. Oh, that was so embarrassing. <laughs> what, what idiots. What, like, extraordinary idiots. I thought, uh, I thought the Guardians handled that extremely gracefully. Uh, yeah, I, I watched the first game pressers. I thought they handled it extremely gracefully. And I thought the Yankee players handled it. All the players were, came off great. And everybody sitting in right field came off like so many words that I, if I say them on your program, I'll never be invited back. Uh... Uh, they, <laughs> or maybe I will. Maybe I'll be invited back every day. Uh, no, they, it, 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 was, it was awful. It was so dumb. Like you, you just you give a bad rap to to everybody, and it was it was uh, it was embarrassing. And then Straw had the comments about it being the worst fan base, and it's like you know obviously I don't agree with that, but it's like after a, it's not like it was one fan, you know. After a whole group of fans all in the same section all start doing that, it's like well, you know what? I'm not really in a position to defend any Yankee fan right now, so you kind of just have to take those comments. Totally. I wanted to put you on the spot before uh, Ben gets back to the NBA here. No, to- totally, totally good question. Make Fred defend defend his people. Uh, he speaks for I all Yankees fans. I can't. That was awful. That was that was <laughs> so awful. That was. I've been watching Joey Gallo all season, and that was the most awful thing I've seen all year. Wow, he's on my AL only fantasy league, and I've not paid attention to the stats for a few days, so that doesn't. I'm, I'm now I'm afraid to look. Um, <laughs> Last question, I guess, at least for me, for Fred Katz. Uh, Let me just dial this back to the local team. Uh, You know, obviously, we've talked already about how far away the Wizards are, perhaps, from contending. And, you know, you look at, you know, what the Celtics are doing, what the Heat are doing, Philly with Embiid. It's hard to see how Washington competes. But one way they'll they'll hopefully compete is by getting uh, some more help this offseason. As you're watching these games, does anybody? I know you're not thinking of the Wizards more these days. You're thinking of the Knicks. But is there a player out there who you think could be available this offseason that you think, boy, that player on the Wizards, that's something they could need from a position standpoint, an energy standpoint, leadership, whatever it is. Is there somebody out there that that you kind of have, have noticed that you think would be a good fit? Ben, you know me very well. Do you think there's any scenario in life where I'm not thinking about the Wizards? <laughs> I'm always thinking about the Wizards. Sure. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I haven't specifically thought about this question, but off the top of my head, they could really use a point guard. I think the world knows they could really use a point guard. I think the funniest answer to your question would be, you know where they could use? They could use that guy in Dallas, Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh, boy. I think the, the, 
I think the proper answer to your question is maybe Tyus Jones, who has played really well for Memphis, uh, really had an under-the-radar excellent season. I think he's much better than his numbers show. He's like a nine-point-per-game guy, but he's just one of those guys who who props up their offense. They went 20-5 and five when John Morant was hurt this year, and, and, and Tyus Jones was a huge part of that. I mean, people talk about the depth of that team and Desmond Bain and Jared Jackson Jr., and all of that is true, but the depth includes Tyus Jones, who, who in my opinion, is one of the best backup point cards in the whole league. He's a free agent after this year. I have to imagine, given the fact that he's right in the middle of his prime, and it's not like he's had some massive payday before, that he's going to want a four-year deal, and I think he deserves a four-year deal. Uh, and, and you know, the, the, the market for point guards this summer is, is a little dry. Uh, I don't know. You know, the Wizards don't have cap room. I don't know if they'll be able to get him for the mid-level exception. I, I, I haven't asked around about his market to that degree to know if he's going to cost, you know, maybe a little bit more than that. But, but that's the first name that probably comes to mind, who I think would be a really nice addition and really helpful for them. Just a, a good two-way player. He's very competent. He plays very hard. And, um, you know, I think, like, Jalen Brunson is going to be a free agent after this year, and he would be the gold standard. But I don't, I don't see a way that they'd be able to get him without – trying to concoct some crazy five-team trade like they had to do last year in the Spencer Dinwiddie deal in order to get Dinwiddie. So uh, I think Tyus Jones is, is probably the most sensical answer I can think of off the top of my head. Awesome. Fred Katz, you are a legend and a scholar. Appreciate the time. Go read Fred on The Athletic. He's all over the NBA playoffs Knicks and you know he'll come on my podcast to talk Wizards when I force him into it so you'll hear plenty more from Fred uh, going forward appreciate it man thanks for having me guys I appreciate it as always yes Fred Fred is the best Fred is the best uh, that is a universal take we, we, we may not be able to agree on some topics Britt, but that one we are we are of the same mindset and it's a good mindset to have uh, we've got more to discuss here. Nats, Commanders, all that and more here on 1067 The Fan. All right. Welcome back, Richaroli. Ben Standing here with you on Sunday morning, overtime, 1067 The Fan, here until noon. Just a few more minutes. And then, of course, the Nationals game at 1.30. They close their series against the Giants, Ben, trying to salvage this series, trying to get a win. Giants are good. This just in. They've been good. The, the, the Giants always seem to find a way. It always feels like, and I didn't pay attention necessarily at the beginning of this year where they were predicted, but it feels like they're often not the team predicted to be up top, and yet every year they find a way to be in the mix, even look, you know, with the Dodgers, who obviously become the heavyweight of the of, of the sport over the last few years, the Giants are always uh, right there. But they're pesky. They're kind of like the Rays, you know. Like no one ever, everyone's always like, "Oh, how can the Rays be good again? They don't spend any money. They're little, tiny market. Um, they're pesky." I think that's a good uh, way to describe the Giants. But yeah, should be interesting. Speaking of the Rays, though, you probably didn't see this last night, but um, they had like a a really weird like no hit thing going where there were, it wasn't really a no hitter, um, but they had one, two, three, four, five, six different guys combined to pitch nine hitless innings. What do you even call that? 
A combined no-hitter? A combined no-hitter is yeah. a thing, right? Yeah, but it's so many different pitchers. One of them, though, Javi Guerra, who Nats fans will recognize he was part of the Nationals for a few years, including the 2019 team. Uh, great guy. Uh, very, very Raisian, right? Uh, a, a team that kind of bucks tradition, goes out there and has a, a weird no-hitter. So just a, an interesting thing to see. You're going to see probably more of that in baseball versus the regular no-hitters now that pitch can and everything is so Right. I was going to say, like, this is the this is among the problems. It's always, you know, the, the no-hitter thing, the great part of it typically is it's the one guy going out there and just mowing the opponent down. And you do occasionally see the uh, the multi-pitcher no-hitter, but that's, you know, random circumstance. You don't have the horse on the mound. You're trying to just, you know, it's a, it's a one-run game somehow. Not not just by default because there are no pitcher lasts more than five or six innings. It is, I, I don't like, we, it feels like I say the same thing all the time about your sport. I just don't understand it anymore. Uh, no, there's some crazy stuff going on early. I just, uh, going through Twitter here, the, the Reds are two and 13 ever since, um, Cast, uh, not, I think it's Bob Castellini. One of the Castellinis who is, you know, part of the ownership group, uh, of the Reds, uh, they sell off their whole team, Ben, and this guy goes on on opening day and he goes, they're like asking if he's worried about what's going to happen with the fans, you know? And he's like, where else are they going to go? Basically saying like, it doesn't matter what we do. You're all going to still come here anyway. You schmucks. And uh, what happens? They're two and 13 since he made these comments. They're eight games back, which doesn't sound like a lot, except the season began 17 days ago. That, that guy, I don't know that guy. He has like, had like a Tommy boy vibe to him. I right? Totally. Right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, not 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 smart. It's one thing to antagonize the fan base because you just don't win. It's another thing to openly tell them. And by the way, what he's saying, I mean, this is how this works. The product is an addicting product. You get people to I can't live without pick your sport, but you don't have to rub it in their face yeah. and say, ah, we're not worried about you showing your support. We know we have it in the bag already. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Just imagine Dan Snyder being like, yeah, you know what? I know we're a messed up organization, but where else are you guys going to go? Nowhere, which we know is true. Most fans are never going to, no matter what they say when they call in here or right on the message boards. It's They're never going to give up on their team, uh, but you don't really say the quiet part out loud. No. I mean, for some people, it, the worst relationship in their life is with this team that they've, they're, they, they've determined they're stuck with because of whatever it is, geography, their parents, you know, a childhood obsession, something. And I appreciate the fact don't be fair weather. If you're with your team, stay with your team. But at the same point, uh, yeah, there that you don't have to spend money on them all the time either. You can stay with your team, but just not, you know, no, unless they're being there's a reason to invest money into them. You can root, but just do it from your couch, not necessarily having to go to the game. Yeah, I mean, we talked earlier in the show about the Commanders and how they need that catchphrase. Imagine if it was like Washington Commanders. Where else are you gonna go? <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Yeah, yeah. The, the, Who else are you gonna root for? Yeah, well, oh, you know, there's I, a slogan. I'm, I'm sure the Ravens would have like a like it'd be like a quote tweet, and the Ravens would like have their hand raised right above it. Like, <laughs> yeah, hi, we're right, we're right over, we're right over here. Um, all right, we've got uh, a little bit more to go here. We can talk a quick reset on what's coming up today in sports and kind of where things stand with the Commanders heading a few days into the draft here on 106.7 The Fan. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back. Rich Rooley, Ben Standing, here with you on 106.7 The Fan Overtime. Just a few more minutes, then we're going to get into Nats pregame a little bit later. The Nationals playing the Giants at 1.30, Ben. Some news out of the Giants side. Mike Yastrzemski has tested positive for COVID. Um, he's going to have to, the Giants are leaving D.C. after this game. He's going to have to stay in D.C. until he gets two negative tests. Uh, there's no corresponding roster move just yet, uh, but certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, hopefully it is just an isolated case uh, that hasn't spread to the Giants or the Nationals. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, uh, COVID outbreaks, it's it's uh, w- almost wild on some level, but that is still happening in my sports, obviously, uh, offseason. So that's not an issue, but, you know, it, that was a huge part of the, the, the Washington football team's year at the end of last year. and. Uh, We'll see how it affects the Giants here uh, as they go forward. Uh, Britt, there's obviously a lot in sports today on this Sunday. There's also, uh, beyond the sports world, of course, um, there is a, a memorial today, a memorial service for Dwayne Haskins that's going to be held at his uh, high school, Bullis, up in Potomac, Maryland, 7 o'clock. Uh, you know, obviously a chance for everybody to, uh, for particular alumni, people that knew him at the school, to, to go pay their respects. I believe it will be uh, live streamed as well. You can find that online. So obviously a, a, a tough situation there. They had a ceremony as well in, in Pittsburgh yesterday. Uh, so something you can, uh, if you, if you want to pay pay some respects to Dwayne Haskins, you can do that uh, today. Uh, no, no easy transition to the to the rest of what's going on in sports. But the Washington Capitals, we didn't talk about them today. Big game for them against the uh, one of the best teams in the NHL, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Possible first round preview, depending on how things shake out. The 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 uh, Maple Leaves are uh, right now they're the third most points in the Eastern Conference. I think the Capitals are coming in at eight, but the separation in all these spots is pretty uh, pretty close. So that could easily work out to be a uh, a first round series there. Yeah, the NHL playoffs is all always pretty wild. Uh, we talked, of course, NBA with Fred Katz, and it's so different there. Um, in terms of upsets, like we said, the NHL, really it feels like upsets can happen at any point in time once you get into the playoffs, which is a really cool thing. Um, Fred, of course, had some great insight on what's going on in the NBA. Um, want to thank him for coming on. want to thank Mark Zuckerman coming on earlier, talking a little nationals with us as well. This has been a uh, very fun, very well-rounded show, um, keeping abreast of what's going on in D.C. and beyond. That is true. There's also a quadruple uh, NBA playoffs today. Uh, Warriors going to wrap up their entire first round series against the Nuggets, get Steph Curry and fellas some rest if they can do that today. Um, I think the the, the Heat Hawks series, you talked about that earlier. That's a really interesting one. Heat up 2 1. Uh, you know, if Kyle Lowry is limited or unable to go, you know, can they get this win to, to you know, pull ahead 3 1? Uh, they almost won it the other night, couldn't get it done. 
pivotal game there. Same thing, Suns-Pelicans at 2-1, but I feel more like the Suns are going to eventually close that one out. Uh, so we'll see how that uh, how that goes. And then, of course, Britt, the NFL draft, only a few more days away. I guess you and I don't even have a radio show before our mock draft. Would you like to make a prediction for the Commanders? I'll make mine all over the place this week. Would you have a prediction at 11 for what they're going to do? Well, no, I, I thought maybe they would still go with Pickett, and you said no. Um, I think Drake London, if he's still available, is probably a possibility for them. He might get taken right before them. Look, you can go with Pickett if you want, and if you're right, come back here, say, look, Ben, you know, I thought you knew stuff. I'm telling you what's going on. You can go down that route. I'm, and look, this is an unpredictable draft. Nothing would stun me, but I'm just going to say they shouldn't do that. All right. Well, we're going to find out. We are back here on uh, this weekend. Britt and Ben on Overtime 106.7 The Fan. Thanks again to our guests. Thanks to all of you. Have a terrific Sunday. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.